Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 25th of August, 2020. Today, I want to talk about entitlement. And when I think about that and even just say that term or you think of somebody being entitled, do you think of that as a positive thing or a negative thing? I'm guessing pretty much the unanimous response is we think of that as negative because you think about someone else being entitled and you start to think of that as a person who's stuck up or a person who's proud or a person who doesn't really demonstrate grace or, or gratitude. But the problem is, like I said, we think of entitlement in other people and it's so much easier for us to spot entitlement in other people then it is to be sensitive to it in ourselves and to be sensitive to the ways that entitlement might creep into our own thinking. So today I want us to think about this subject and I want us to do so not with an eye towards our culture, not with an eye towards other people, not with an eye towards your spouse or your coworkers or anything else, but I want us to do it with an eye on ourselves. And I want us to open our eyes and put our eyes in the word of God in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as we see a great example of the opposite of entitlement. And we're going to see this example in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and especially starting in verse 12. But just to set some context here, 1 Timothy is a letter that we have that was written from the apostle Paul to Timothy. And it's the first of two letters that we're going to see. And really, it's the first of three letters with 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus that are known as the pastoral epistles. Why are they called the pastoral epistles? Well, normally, we've seen, and so far, this is what we've seen, Paul writing letters to churches. Well, these next three letters are going to be Paul writing letters to pastors, hence the name pastoral epistles. And there's a lot we learn from these letters, especially about how church should happen. It's in these letters that we see the qualifications for church leadership and many different things like that. And we see here, Paul is writing to him and telling him to set some things in order in the church. Even he starts by highlighting those that are teaching different doctrine and how that needs to be corrected by Timothy as a leader in the church. But what I want us to focus on is this paragraph that begins in verse 12. And let me just go ahead and read that for us from 12 to 17. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see some really powerful statements in there, probably most famously when Paul says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. He says, I am the greatest sinner. And even my position in ministry isn't because of me. It's because of God's patience. God put me into ministry so people could say, wow, look at how merciful God is. And I think in that paragraph, we see the opposite of entitlement. We see Paul overwhelmed with gratitude and realizing that everything he has, especially in ministry, is completely undeserved. And it is all due to the grace of God and the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what I want us to understand is this isn't just an attitude that the Apostle Paul should have. Because, well, you know, he was a pretty big sinner and he persecuted Christians and killed Christians and and all of that. Paul was so much worse than me. No, that's where we're starting to miss the point. All of us should be able to say amen to Paul's statement that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And when we start to consciously accept the depth of our own sin, It will make us even more grateful for the grace that God has shown us. And that will kill entitlement like nothing else. And especially in this context, entitlement is coming to the idea of ministry. And whether you're a pastor like me, or you're just a part of the church and hopefully you're serving in some way in the church, all of us should view every opportunity to serve the Lord as something we do not deserve. I don't deserve to be sitting here right now getting to talk about the Bible with people. That is the grace of God that I have the opportunity right now to do this. Every time you get to share the gospel with somebody or have an encouraging conversation where you come alongside and put your arm around another believer to encourage them, or anytime you serve in children's ministry and get the chance to talk to kids about the Bible, Every single time we need to say, this is a gift. I don't deserve this because I am a great sinner, but God has shown his patience to me. He has shown his mercy to me. And now I get to serve others. This is amazing. This is the mindset that we should have. And so I want you today to spend some time thinking about how gracious God has been to you. And I want all of us to just own the fact that we are great sinners and any chance we get to serve the Lord is really just a sign that we have a great savior and that should kill entitlement in our lives. And that's not really all that we want to do. We want to see more of this gratitude that Paul has that will change our perspective. And also Paul was somebody that was hungry to minister and we'll have a greater passion to minister when we stop viewing it as a, a burden or an obligation or when we start viewing it as a privilege, as something that I do not deserve. And however you're serving in the church right now, I'd encourage you to think more about that. Because when we start thinking of this as an obligation, we start to get weary in our serving, whether that's in kids ministry or leading a life group or uh, you know even serving on the greeting team or the setup team or however it might be. 
And when we start saying, no, this is a privilege. Every time I get to do this is one more time than I deserve. That should change our perspective. And I hope that it does. Let's turn now to the words of Jesus in the gospel of Luke chapter 14 in verses 12 through 24 today. And here he tells a parable, a parable of a great banquet. And basically he says, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors because they'll invite you back. But invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then he goes on to tell a parable about people, you know, basically made excuses. But I want us to focus on that first portion where he says, hey, don't invite the people that are going to invite you back. Invite the people who cannot repay you. And that's something that I think hits us a little hard. And let's be honest, I think it's also something that just goes against the grain of what is very, very natural for us to do. And that is that we want to invite people who can invite us back. I mean, even just think about that socially today, right? That's very often a, an expectation, right? And this is something that reminds us of things we see elsewhere in scripture, like James chapter two, where he warns them about partiality and showing partiality to the rich person who comes into the church. Oh, here, come have the nice seat. And then the poor person that comes in dressed all raggedy. Oh, you sit back here. And, and I think sometimes maybe we don't see situations that are that drastic. So we don't think that we would ever have the same issue. And I want to encourage us today to think about this on a level that's a little bit deeper. And I think what, what I want us to challenge us to do is to think about who are the people that you reach out to in your church family. Because as working in church for a while, something I see, and it's not always, you know, hey, rich versus poor kind of thing, but it is so much easier for us to reach out to people that we just kind of connect with well, because we have things in common and we feel like, hey, I like this person because, you know, there's something mutually upbuilding about the relationship, even if it's not through some monetary form that they're going to pay me back. But I feel like, hey, if I invest into this relationship, I'll get something back in return. And I just want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. That there's something beautiful that we find people in the body of Christ that we do connect with well. But what I want to at least caution us against and encourage you to spend some time thinking about today is, okay, but are you being intentional to reach out to the people that maybe you don't connect with socially as easily as others? That may be where the rubber meets the road for us as we think about this passage. That there's going to be people that you connect with in church and there's kind of like a mutual encouragement where you're reaching out to encourage them, but they're also reaching out to encourage you and it's a really uplifting relationship and praise God for that. But are you being intentional to seek out the people that maybe they're not reaching back out to you to encourage you? They might not share some of the same interests that you have, but you love them. And so you want to reach out to them. You want to include them. I think that's even just another important aspect that as Christians, we should always be, have our eye open in the church to include the people who might not otherwise be included. 
That's something I think as Christians, we should care about. And if we're not entitled, if we're grateful, that will help us down that road. So think today, who in your church family, or maybe even someone in your life group, is someone that maybe you don't feel such a natural connection with, but can you be intentional about reaching out to those people? Look around your circles in the church. Who are the people maybe who might get left on the outside sometimes? And are you going to make a point? I want to reach out to them. And I don't care if I get anything in return for it, because all I care about is my heavenly father. And I want to be faithful to love others as he would want me to love them. Let's quickly just uh, review the book of Job today as we look at chapters 21 through 24. And here in chapter 21, this is Job's strongest comeback to what his friends have been saying. And and their simple idea of, hey, if if you're dealing with all this tragedy, you must be in sin because sinners struggle and God always blesses the righteous. And in chapter 21, Job basically says, what in the world are you guys talking about? There are so many examples we can point to of people that are not following God and they're living just fine life, right? So what you're talking about does not correspond with reality, guys. And I mean, he gets really strong at the end when he's talking about, you know, wicked people and how they prosper. And at the end of, in verse 34, he says, how then will you comfort me with empty nothings? There is nothing left of your answers, but falsehood. Drop the mic, Job. And then Eliphaz comes back in chapter 22 and really even pulls out this laundry list of serious sins that he accuses Job for with no evidence, except that Job is suffering. And then we see back in chapters 23 and 24, again, Job kind of wrestling with God and not sure why this is happening, but he does say something positive there in chapter 23, verse 10. We're talking about God and he says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And so we see, even though that he seems to be struggling in some ways, there is still a confidence. God is working through this and I'm going to benefit. I'm going to come out as gold from this. And so I'm going to hold fast to God, his ways and his steps. And that's another great thing for us in trials. We might not know all the answers, but we can trust God is going to use this for my good to make me more like Christ. And I'm going to hold on to God and his ways, even in the midst of incredible suffering. And again, speaking of suffering, Psalm 102 has been a very interesting companion for us to read with Job, where we see a psalmist who is struggling. It's the prayer of the afflicted. And we see more of that struggle in our passage today as we wrap up the psalm with verses 18 through 28. In verse 23, he even says that God has broken his strength in mid-course. But look how it ends in verse 25. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. They will pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Think about that and think about how crazy the world has been this year. The world, it will change. And even we know in the end, it's going to be completely changed as God makes a new heavens and a new earth, but God will remain. 
Let's keep our focus on Him today. And again, I'd encourage all of us to consider that focus on God in light of our own sin and an amazement that God still loves us. And may we see entitlement be completely dead in our own hearts and lives. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.